This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 20th, 2011. I'm Caleb Brown. There are many plans floating around to bring Social Security to solid financial footing. The latest is from Senators Lindsey Graham, Rand Paul, and Mike Lee. Cato Institute Senior Fellow Jagadish Gokhale examines the proposal. You've evaluated a lot of different plans for dealing with Social Security, incorporating uh, aspects that are not present in models that are sort of the standard uh, models for looking at Social Security finances off into the future. Graham Paul Lee makes some adjustments to the Social Security program that are recommendations that seemingly everybody makes when they talk about Social Security reform. So what specifically do they do? Well, they do two things. First, they increase the Social Security normal and early retirement ages. The normal retirement age is increased from its present 66 to age 70. It's done gradually beginning in 2018 uh, at the rate of uh, three months a year advance in the normal retirement age uh, until it reaches 70 by the early 2030s. And then the early retirement age is increased from 62 to 64, again gradually, beginning in 2021. Uh, it means that you have to spend uh, more time working in your careers. Um, and the larger increase in the normal retirement age relative to the increase in the early retirement age means that people who choose to take their benefits at the earliest eligible age will receive a larger actuarial reduction in their benefit, uh, their initial benefit, uh, which then will remain constant and grow just with inflation thereafter like it does now. And secondly, they also make the benefit formula more progressive by reducing the uh, so-called bent point formula of Social Security uh, to determine benefits, uh, such that people with uh, earnings above the 40th percentile will experience a reduction in their benefits, and people at the highest, the maximum earnings level those who sp spend their, their entire careers earning more than the taxable maximum limit of Social Security will essentially experience no increase in benefits, no real increase in benefits. There's a level at which you earn a certain amount of money and Social Security no longer takes taxes out, but also no longer pays benefits on those On, on the additional earnings. income, that's right. Uh, the... Uh, taxable maximum itself is not increased. Well, it increases every year with the average wage, increase in the average wage, but that part of determining the cutoffs for taxable earnings are not changed by this reform proposal. Now, these two benefit side proposals, essentially increasing the age of retirement and uh, making the benefit formula more progressive, means that... Uh, the program's savings will accrue through uh, reductions in benefits, mostly, not through tax increases on workers. Uh, tax increases are avoided in this plan because they are viewed as providing disincentives for workers to work. Um, 
uh, and therefore, uh, in, in that sense, uh, providing benefit side um, corrections to the program's finances rather than through the tax side identifies this as most would with the conservative approach to social security reform. Uh, the only possible negative aspect of this reform is that it increases the overall progressivity of the fiscal system. The overall U.S. fiscal system is already quite progressive, especially at the low earnings rate, uh, at the low earnings, low part of the earnings distribution. So uh, the average tax rates paid by uh, many low-income people is zero, and it rises uh, just above the poverty level of earnings. It starts rising, uh, but it rises very rapidly, uh, eventually reaching um, uh, about 40% uh, of your earnings at the highest earnings levels. Uh, the marginal tax rate increases even steeper than that. But if you add, so I'm talking about the entire welfare system. If you look at the marginal tax rate increases, uh, taking into account the loss of welfare benefits, the loss of Medicaid, the loss of uh, exemptions and deductions and so on as your income rises makes the marginal tax rate at the low end especially steep. At some low-income levels, in fact, it might be confiscatory, the marginal tax. So every additional dollar you make because you lose benefits in addition to paying more income taxes, you're basically losing that additional dollar at low-income wages. Now, given this type of a fiscal system, by increasing its progressivity, you're only making incentives to rise up, work harder and rise up the income scale worse under this reform. So that's the one negative I can think of. The other negative also is that it, this reform does not tackle any of the structural shortcomings of the program. The fact that it provides benefits in uh, unfair manner or unfair treatment between different groups of uh, uh, people in the population. For example, single versus dual earners, minorities, women, and so on are not treated in the, uh, fairly in the system uh, according to many calculations. And those type of disparities are not addressed in this reform. An ideal system, uh, to the extent that there is one, uh, that, that contains... Uh, social insurance benefits or, or other other kinds of welfare benefits uh, should encourage a worker not to want to trade places with someone who earned or earns less money. And this plan, you say, makes the system, social security system and the larger larger welfare system more progressive. The entire fiscal system. So if you take into account the tax and the welfare elements, uh, all of them together, and evaluate the progressivity of our system, uh, it's already quite progressive. And making it more progressive means you're placing hurdles before people uh, interested in rising, working hard and rising up the income scale because you're basically confiscating more of their additional earnings through the, through the system. Jagadish Gokhale is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute and author of Social Security, A Fresh Look at Policy Alternatives. You can get your copy at Cato.org.